This is a podcast from the Poetry Society. This is Selena Godden reading her poem Titanic, which featured on the BBC iPlayer documentary featuring spoken word artist called We Belong Here. I used to love the film Titanic, the last 45 minutes or so, after the sex scene in the car when the seawater starts to flow. The sinking ship all slopping and swaying, the band how they bravely keep on playing, a man dressing up as a girly waif to hide in a boat and get himself safe. The human catastrophe, the chaos, the panic and drama. I used to love that film Titanic, all the melodrama. But now it just looks like Channel 4 News. People grabbing for life jackets, no coats and no shoes. Now I'm just reminded of the plight of refugees. All those human beings drowning in the open seas. People hungry and cold in overcrowded boats. Crying for help with salt-burned throats. There's a Syrian Leo and Kate the Kurd. I used to like Titanic, but now it looks absurd. And my love will go on is a terrible song. I said I used to like the film Titanic, not Celine. Dion. Hello and welcome to Poetry Society podcast. My name is Joelle Taylor and I'm here today with the incredible poet, memoirist, essayist, performer, broadcaster and vocalist Selena Godden. Hello. Welcome to the studios. Um, I've asked you in today because um, I want to talk about your career in general over the last 20 years and all the kind of the poetry that you've created and the scene that's developed around you and the changes you've seen, but also to talk about a little bit about your um, new collection, which is on a live CD called Live Wire. And it's something actually that is an art form, I feel, that has been neglected in recent years. So I'm very excited to see that not only have you been publishing your poetry in, in collections like Fishing in the Aftermath and Under the Pier, but also you've brought poetry back into a live arena by allowing us to buy the CDs. Can you tell us about the process? What made you decide to collect your work together in this format? Okay, well... Um just gonna just I'm gonna answer that, but I just want to start by saying last night I did a gig at Manchester yeah. Literature Festival, and I was at the signing desk, you know, after the thing, and yeah. um, and a man approached the desk with a carrier bag full of CDs and books that I've made over the last 20, 25 wow. years. He'd literally been collecting everything. He had like a seven inch of that single I made of Alabama 3. He had all my cold cut stuff, Salt Peter stuff. He had like everything. And it was a big stack. I mean, some of the things I didn't even have, um, zines and all sorts of things. And I was just thinking this morning, it's like the actual object, the physical object, mm. a book, a vinyl album, a CD, it's real, it's in your hands. And I think yeah. with the internet and downloads, we're, we get, we're going away from the thing where you can have something in your hands. Yeah. When you hold the object in your hands, you remember making it, you remember the time, you remember the place. So it just felt like it was time to sort of just have a little collection of, of some of the gigs I've been doing. Um, I basically had a box of archives that I've never used and no one was using. Yeah. So some of the pieces on the album, it's a double album, and the A-side is all the more quiet stuff that's safe to play around your kids <laughs> when you're in the car or whatever. And then the B-side is kind of drinking rum in the kitchen or, <laughs> you know, or, or cooking in the kitchen and drinking red wine. It's a drinking 
the B side is for drinking. Album. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Where's the A side more tea and cake? But um, but yeah. So some of the recordings are from really posh, beautiful theatres and festival recordings. Really clean, beautiful recordings. And then some of them from really kind of you know uh, sort of midnight at festivals. And yeah. You and I want you to sort of sit and listen to it and feel like you're there in the room and feel that energy. The audience are the percussion, the audience are the yes. musical instrument, they are the orchestra, and you can hear yeah. the swell, and you can hear the, the yeah, yeah, you yeah. know, the, and, and I, I love I that. I think that's what is so successful about it, for me, is that it brings in that fourth dimension which live performance has, that you can't really capture in a book. You get so much, and all the nuances from reading, but you get this, it's like the poems are completed by the energy. You can actually, you can cut through the energy yeah. that is feeding back to you. So when you're doing, I mean, you're pretty famous as the person who's kind of, who's kind of created this scene that we call spoken word today. Do you define yourself, though, as a spoken word artist or would you call yourself a poet? Oh, I, I, I'm just a Selena. I, I don't, I, I don't really call myself anything I've got these things that I write and then yeah. I stand up and speak them I don't really know what you would call that I really enjoy being a kind of a, a, a split personality being quite introvert yeah. and getting all that work done and getting all that writing done I've always said that I feel like I have two wives like there's this brooding brunette that hangs out in her pyjamas that does all the work that no one ever meets and then there's like this boozy big boobed blonde who sort of gets, <laughs> gets all the applause and that's who you meet and that's who you see on stage right but they're two very different characters no one really meets but the... they're both the real you yeah yeah they're both very much the real me yeah and I think that's like one of the dichotomies that are really in, is really interesting about us those of us who choose not to just write quietly and send our work off in submissions but literally go out there and create the gig spaces and perform as well yeah and to feel that to feel that heat to feel yeah. that rage to feel that passion and to feel people just sort of um in my i'm really enjoying doing my poem can't be bothered again at yes. the moment and that's an old poem that must be about at least 10 maybe 15 maybe yeah it's, it's definitely turn of the century and um <laughs> And I wish I was like, but um, but yeah, I mean, performing that and just getting everyone in the audience standing up and doing the can can, yeah, it's, it's just such a good feeling. You yeah. can't, yeah, you can't. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, if you're listening to this and you're like, what are they talking about? Then please do go and look at the album live wire, or actually listen to it. Don't just look at it because that's rude. <laughs> listen to it. So everybody's got their own process for writing, for example, and I think um, certainly for me, it might sound weird, but I write with my mouth. So obviously my hands are doing the work, but do you find yourself, do you speak your poems as you're doing them? Do you have a sense of how you're going to perform them? I think the musicality and the rhythm comes with the words, comes with the feeling, definitely, or comes with the, mm. yeah, with the tone. I've got a new poem that I performed at National Poetry Day ah. about Theresa May. And that started off because I got that, that, that lovely um, Dr. Zeus feel yes. like I do not like green eggs and ham and it's yeah. sort of that kind of like I do not like, like Theresa May <laughs> <laughs> and I was just walking around saying I do not like Theresa May until I had to just sit down and, and write get it. the rhythms out yeah, of you so you do you feel like you're infected not so much by you don't suddenly sit down and think today I will write about the experiences of young women in for example France mm. but I um but it it kind of comes through you. It's a, the poem takes over you. And tells yeah, you it really about. does, doesn't it? Do you get that? I mean, you know when people say they've got a song in their head and yeah. they, it's like having an earworm. 
I think mm. having a poem in your head is like having a heartworm. Mm. And you can't sort of settle until the... It's like a little ache in your chest. Yeah. And you can't settle until you've written it down and got it. And then you go, and you keep... It's kind of... A, you, can, you keep going back to it. And you go make a cup of tea or whatever. And yeah. But no, 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 it's not finished. Yeah. Or you think of another verse. Or you think of another angle. And, well, um, I mean, yeah. also, I think, particularly with your work and watching you as a, a live performer, is... Um, I can't imagine you sitting down and writing exactly what you do in performance. I feel like once you... I go off page a lot. Yeah. I go, yeah. Which yeah. makes it exciting. And I've never done the same poem the same way twice, ever. So, um, yeah. do you think that's an important thing, that your poetry is mutable, that it depends on... I think it's like jazz. I think yeah. I just kind of, I find another note. Or someone in the audience will do something and then I weave that into the poem. Yeah. Or, you know, it's like a, yeah, I'll sort of go... Or add another chorus, or yeah, it's kind of I like mean, music. In, in that a weird way. way, I mean, you might find this a bit offbeat, but in a weird way, it sort of encapsulates British sensibility. And by that, I mean, when you watch you live, I don't look at you and think, well, there's a British performer. Um, but you have a rhythm that becomes more and more hysterical. And by its repetition of a simple phrase, becomes hysterical. Um, and I once described you on the BBC in the programme, We Belong Here, as a genius. And I do think you're an absolute genius of your art. Oh, because you, you might think this poem is, say, for example, about breasts. But in fact, you have this ability to kind of um, take a very serious, political, hard-edged issue and kind of bury it inside us so that we are laughing, yeah. but we're not laughing at you or feeling we're being laughed at it's like we suddenly own the issue do you mean my poem and my tits are more feminist than your tits <laughs> yeah that's the one yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah Listeners. well it does and everyone's laughing about it and then they go home with images of you know of, of, of women and and the inequalities and 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 the many many um issues women's issues yeah, yeah. and you're predominantly known as somebody who's a very very funny performer i wouldn't describe you as a comedy writer but i think that you have a naturally infectious um, ability to get your poems across and to make us all laugh so sometimes it can come as a real surprise when you drop these pieces that are intensely moving and very serious so i saw you perform at uh, the south bank a few years ago for the um, was it the uh, martin luther king oh yeah no that was an interesting gig because i'd been studying and watching his um i had i always get it mixed up i had a dream or i have a dream have had have had anyway um i have had a dream <laughs> but i um i studied and watched it and watched it over again then i decided that the, the job was take that speech and make it yours or make it modern or make mm. it uh, contemporary or make put it in your your words and your voice and i literally just changed um the word black man to woman i just took out the mm. word negro to woman uh -huh. and you end up with something i will not rest until every woman has equal pay i will yes. not rest until every woman has a vote and, and you end up with something that's really very much what we want and what we're talking about here yeah so yeah that was uh that was but but because i'd been watching his video the video on youtube over and over again i was doing i looked back on that film and i was doing mad little like fist pump yeah, yeah. He, um, martin luther king talks very much with his fists yeah. up in his chest like this and yeah. um, you, know, if you, you can picture how he talks he uses his hands yeah. and i look at that thing and i'm doing the same thing with my hands kind of so, mimicking so you're yeah. kind of like embodied you channeled <laughs> martin luther yeah, king yeah martin luther moment. king with big boobs yeah <laughs> 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 you did a similar thing but not with the boobs um, on the BBC iPlayer documentary We Belong Here which yeah. was essentially a, wasn't a, that cool I it was that. an amazing programme and yeah. for those of you who haven't seen it please do see it it's still available I think on BBC iPlayer 
and it features poems and discussions with um, prominent poets as, or spoken word artists like Jack Underwood or Sabrina Mahfouz, Joel Taylor. Yeah. For example, and all discussing Britain in a post-Brexit climate and how, you know, our, our thoughts about the whole thing. And you did a poem to begin the whole piece called Titanic. Mm. And again, that was um, a very moving piece of work. What was the process? How did that happen? Could you explain to people what the poem's about? And Okay, so around that time when I wrote it, I went to Calais um, to go and help in the kitchens, the refugee community kitchen. I literally just spent a day... I mean, there's volunteers there are amazing. They've, they've been there for weeks. I'm really scared about what's going to happen, actually, when they mm. empty Calais this month. Um, but anyway, I was just there for a, a bit, and, 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 just, and it's amazing the people you meet there, the people that are volunteering. And I was just literally just peeling potatoes and onions for a whole day. And like thousands and thousands, they're literally feeding the 5,000, which is 10,000. But, wow. Um, and uh, so, yeah, and, but you know, the people you're talking to, they've come from all different walks of life, all different ages, and, you know, if, if war and, and, and all these things are the worst of man, then people trying to help people is the best yes. of man, you yeah. know. It's really amazing. And then um, came home and literally kissed my house when I got home. I felt so... I phoned my mum, I just felt such gratitude for what we have. You don't realise quite how much we've got until you sort of look at people that have so much less. Yeah. Um, and then Titanic was on on Saturday night, that night. Oh. And I was like, wow. And you, that, that scene with the more scampering, like swimming and dying and yeah. reaching for boats. I was like, I've just been to a place where people are actually living there in here and now. And, and yeah. But they are not seen as the heroes. Yeah. When in fact, obviously they are. They're, we're all... Or, yeah, or victims of circumstance. And, yeah. And yeah, and and, and uh, climate change and war and yeah, it's terrible, terrible. So that's where the poem came from, anyway. It's quite quite sincerely sitting on a Saturday night with a glass of wine, watching Titanic. And I really love the ending. Yeah. Um, I really love. I think it's amazing visually. Yeah. Um, and then I watched the old the old one, the original Titanic as well. Actually, I got obsessed with it for a bit. Uh, yeah, <laughs> so yeah. A little bit, and yeah. out of it came this this, this poem. really like uh, startling poem, which you think is going to be a typical. Selena Godden poem and I think that's what works for me is the fixed I call it the fixed grin moment where you're like because you know what's going to happen you know yeah. it's gonna be and then you drop it yeah. and you're like oh my god yeah this is exactly I kind of ruined it with the last two lines but I just needed to cheer it up at the end <laughs> no actually one of my favorite bits about it is the fact they kept on filming after you when it cracked up laughing. Yeah, when you cracked up laughing at the end, because it's all about humanising it. I yeah. think it brings into, very effectively brings into relief the importance of poetry and literature on a, a mass humanitarian political scale. There are poets who are more directly political, like Anthony Anaxaguru or, or even myself, but perhaps they're not the poets who are going to affect change as much as writers like yourself. And one of the major things that's happened, I think, cultural shifts recently is typified by the release of this incredible collection of essays edited by Nika Shulka called The Good Immigrant. And it's um, an incredible book. It's an amazing book. It contains essays by people like Riz Ahmed, Musa Akwanga, Sabina Mahfouz, uh, yourself. And it's all about the experiences of racism, really, within this country, but the whole of Western culture. Can you explain a little bit about your essay, Shade? And I have to tell you that when I was reading it on the tube, I did have a proper, proper cry. It's an incredible piece of writing, I think. Oh, thank you. 
Um, okay, so when Nick Eshukla approached me and asked me to write this essay, I um, wasn't sure really where to start. Um, I already did Springfield Road with Unbound. Yeah. And I felt like I talked quite a bit in Springfield Road about how it felt for my parents, my mother's Jamaican, my father's Irish, black woman, white man, walking down the street together in the late 60s. And I sort of talked about that, but not really as much as I... It, th- th- this gave me a platform. The yeah. Good Immigrant gave me a platform to really go there mm-hmm. and sort of put some of the things in that I hadn't put in in Springfield Road and sort of delve a bit deeper yeah. into what it was uh, to be um, a black woman with a white... Um, lover, husband, um, in in the sort of sixties, and and kind of and and all and and then what it was to be a mixed race child in the seventies, and kind of like being that that brown face in a sort of sea of white faces, um, and to just sort of explain that kind of outsider feeling. Mm. Um, so yeah, so I really kind of went in there and well, I, explored it. For me, what particularly worked about it was not just the content itself, but it was the way you wrote it. So it was it's probably the most poetic essay I think I've read on a on a you know very important issue. Um so is that something you intentionally did or is that, that's just Selena coming out the pen? I think that's just how I how I write. It's definitely a kind of a, a chorus feeling with it. I I repeat things like talking about this uh, cathedral of otherness mm. and and we tick other and mm. using and really using the word shade in all its meanings. And playing with that, so yeah, it's, it's become. I've made a like a five-minute performance piece from it, and it's something else. I tell you, I've I get up on stage and I've gone on about feminism and one-night stands and cervical smears, but nothing makes me feel as vulnerable as reading this piece. Mm. The first time, or the first two, three times that I've read it, I've stood there on stage and just it's almost like taking the mask off and going, "Hey, everybody, do you know I'm brown?" Yeah. Or do you know I know I'm brown? Because I don't think I've really talked very much about it. Or yeah. And then you kind of look and you realise the whole tent festival or event is all white right. white people. apart from the, And there'll be one or two kind of BAME, maybe an Indian lady or a black man in the audience, just staring at me as if to dare me to say what I'm going to say. Mm. And that's a powerful thing. That's yeah. incredible. So do you feel, I mean, that you've just brought up that you you know you talk about a whole range of issues yeah but do you feel like this is uh, maybe there's been a, a kind of a third person element to it the writing yeah perhaps and also a feeling of um i've got it's me and my gang and i'm not on my own so yeah. i can say this because my there's 21 of us in this book yeah and we're all kind of joining together yeah and that's been really powerful because a lot of the struggles or a lot of the shouts or a lot of the fight you sometimes feel like you're the only one yeah. shouting it and the fact that it's been BBC book of the week that it's climbing up the charts on, on Amazon charts and it's on BBC breakfast yeah. and all this kind of thing just kind of go wow we're not just for a minute of my whole life of doing this whole poetry thing I'm not invisible whoa Absolutely. and that feels really bizarre Absolutely. and it's not me on my own it's me and 20 what you know 20 others yeah and then there's obviously all the friends and the friends of friends yeah so it feels like an like an army it feels beautiful and a, a, an army of positivity yes um I, I was i was tweeting this morning and i sometimes get paranoid that i've been tweeting about the good immigrant too much but then there's that lovely bob marley quote um you know the people that are making the world worse don't take a day off 
So we sure. mustn't either. Yeah. And although in our bubble it feels like the good immigrant has made a real impact. Mm. Last night I did. Um, where did where was I last night? Manchester. <gasps> Manchester. Manchester uh, Literature Festival. And I said the good immigrant, and only three people put their hands up. Oh. We've still got a long way to go. We feel like we're we're on peak absorption. Yeah. yeah. But you know, there's still quite a lot of people just in our goldfish bowl, and we've and got I, to get outside yeah. of that goldfish yeah. bowl. And, and, and I, I think that's one of the problems that we all have on the spoken word scene is that generally. Speaking and we don't allow fascists and racists and misogynists or homophobes platform to speak. Yeah. They don't even come into the gigs. So we have created this world where everybody's just bloody lovely. Yeah, and I love my job. All my friends yeah, are here. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's yeah. just so nice. Yeah. And then you leave the club. Yeah. And you are a black woman walking home alone at night. You're a lesbian walking down the street and you're suddenly broken out. And of course, the really important part of our work, if we want to affect positive change whether that's just positive heart change or yeah. mass political change, is by talking to the people we're actually afraid of. Yes, yes, yes that's, that's so true. I think the highest, the highest praise I think I ever get is when a guy will come up to me at the end of a gig and he'll pull me aside and he'll go, I don't really like poetry, but my girlfriend made me come. But yours is all right. Yours isn't like poetry. I like your poetry. I hate poetry usually, but I like yours. I like your poetry because yeah. it's not like poetry. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I like your poetry because it's not like them, them other ones. Like this really creepy guy I'm seeing in my in my head now. This really creepy guy just standing there going, "You're in that." I was doing a gig in America. Oh, I was like somewhere like Poughkeepsie or somewhere New York up upstate, and and he was like, "You're not like the others." <laughs> 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 Run! <laughs> so you've been around for a good 20, 25 years. Yeah, um, 1994 was my 19, first gig. Right, 1994 is your first gig, so I actually predate you a bit. You can't see this, but I'm actually much more attractive than slim and, <laughs> and younger looking. Um, so you are, my, you are. Ask my agent. Uh, <clears throat> so you've seen a huge number of changes happen on the scene. Yes. From it being, you know, I wouldn't even call it a handful of women spoken word or poets there was patients like barbie myself francesca beard francesca beard jules so yeah. when i started there was only jules who's now jules denby an author yeah. um so there are a huge number of women now yes there are what it's are amazing the, yeah it's, amazing. it's incredible i find it i find it extreme i mean we we have a lot of work to do we have a long way to go but we have come so far. Yeah. When back in the day when I was first starting out, I was always, well, very often. I'm not going to say always because that's so. And I was very often the only brown one and very mm. often the only woman and in the lineup. And now we've just got so many beautiful girls like of all different races and yeah, it's just and, it's really and beautiful. And it seems to it's me really the, the more the more kind really of strong ce work. celebrity poets now. Um, are people like Holly McNeish, Kate Tempest, yourself, yeah. female, it's, it's kind of more of a female-led scene. Do you, what, what other changes have you seen in terms of audiences? Um, they're getting younger. <laughs> they are. <laughs> they're getting younger. <laughs> Seagulls are getting bigger. Oranges are, <laughs> oranges are getting harder to peel. No, um, I, I think, yeah, no, audiences are definitely... I think poetry's on a real peak at the moment. It's on a real yeah. high. There's a real buzz. And um, there's loads of fantastic new festivals, new um, things sprouting up. Nymphs and Thugs 
um, Matt Abbott's yes. label that I'm putting out live by that's only a year old and I, I think I think Matt Abbott's got real vision I think he's going to be making some beautiful albums he's a northern poet isn't yeah, he I've yeah. done some work with him he's yeah really Yorkshire man he's lovely and I, I, I think pies. I think bringing back making records, and we're going to be bringing out a vinyl version of Live Wire. Wow. So, because I was at a festival this summer, and what, um, which festival was it? Green Gathering in Wales, and a DJ was DJing really good tunes, beats, but he was putting poetry over the top. Oh, amazing. And he was like mixing and sort of speeches, political speeches and stuff. And people were raving yeah. off their heads, having the right time, yeah. and then shouting things like, you know, Jeremy Hunt, Jeremy Hunt. <laughs> And this guy had cut up bits of poetry and, and uh, yeah, and it was to, to, to great hilarity. You've got fantastic DJs like Greg Wilson doing things like that. So I think that, I think I think vinyl's the way to go with poetry and then get it to the DJs. Then they'll get poetry in the clubs. And don't forget, poetry in the clubs was a massive thing in the early 90s. Yeah, yeah. You know, when train spotting was coming out, getting books in clubs, mixing That's... books with raving yeah. was a really big thing when I first started out. That was what it's all about. Dancing to poetry, make it tribal make it you know that was a I think it's a really important aspect of it I want to feel more like I'm in a club yeah or in a or in a or at a football match yeah. than at a poetry reading yeah you know it's I, 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 I sort of put it like this I don't think poetry is a nice cup of tea or, or you know or a nice or a horrible warm wine in a plastic cup it's it's a it's a bloody good cocktail it's a really yeah. strong you know, it's a smoky room. Mm. I really um, would like to make poetry for television. I've been pitching this for a decade. And one of these days I'll get there. But I really think... I don't understand why they do poetry in such a clean way. Um, yeah. Whereas, like, comedy, you get, like, a smoky, dark room. And you get, yeah. like, yeah, a yeah. kind of punky... Because poetry is quite punk. People are making their own, you know, DIY, making their own things. And, yeah. and, and crowdfunding. And there's that real kind of homemade feel, which is there's very no punk. no gatekeeping. You, yeah. like, you put yeah. on your own night. You can decide to form your own night and then contact people. Yeah. And, and also, I think, yeah, I think... So I think, you know, if we made a... If I made... If I was allowed run of the roost i'd make a poetry pro uh, program that really reflected that energy that's that you know that boozy smoky late night sweary ranty feel which yeah. is where which is where my favorite kind of poetry comes from as opposed to um uh, you know sort of a, a sort of ted talk feel yeah yeah a clean ted talk feel I want, yeah exactly. i want it to go back to the smaller dark little and room now for yeah. something serious to yeah. make you feel more cultured yeah because yeah, yeah it's poetry's like sexy it's raging it's mm. passion it's it's not so much that sort of clean yeah cleanness dirty it up come on let's now. dirty it up people <laughs> and i think i mean i was talking to another poet um earlier on today about this like uh, so I, I do a lot of gigs and I, I work hard, I lead a lot of workshops as well. So I'm basically knackered when I get home. And all I want to do is watch something fabulous on the TV. But I will spend the night just flicking between one piece of reality oh, television, God, some yeah. of which is compelling. Yeah. The new watching people on a bus is strangely compelling. Yeah. But we are surely destroying a generation of writers and artists who have this incredible ability to construct worlds out of nothing mm. or to entertain or edutain or inform you about a range of issues in many different voices. Yeah. Why are we not investing in that? I don't understand. I I'm, I'm, I don't understand. I'm going to keep knocking on doors. Just keep knocking on doors. All the windows fly open. People looking out. Who's that knocking on all the doors? Then eventually <laughs> all the doors open. That's my yeah. theory. you just got to keep doing that i mean i think there's no i mean i don't want to sound like a conspiracy person but you know when the brexit thing was going on love island was on for an hour a night mm. why wasn't poetry on for an hour a night yes then young people would have gone out 
and voted either way voted for or against it doesn't matter but they would have been informed and people engaged. that they yeah people that they relate to instead of aspiring to have a six pack and mark a pen eyebrows they'd be aspiring to write <laughs> poetry <laughs> <laughs> sorry that mark a pen eyebrow <laughs> yeah. thing it's weird it's a fuzzy felt it's so weird, so weird. So weird. I'm going to get some I don't know it's like lady your eyebrows are shouting at me <laughs> I've been chased down the street by some eyebrows. Do Massive I, eyebrows. Do you remember those slinky things where those kids are little furry things on yeah. the string? It's those, isn't it? Yeah, it like, is. Stuck like... to your face. <laughs> <laughs> so we talked a little bit about form and the different forms that you write in. Um, when you get an idea, does that determine the form? So if you get an idea, like, um, is it naturally going to be a song or is it going to oh. be a poem or... Well, I don't, I don't know. The new thing that I'm working on, that I've given myself a year to write it, I started in January, then I'm going to look at it all again in January, is, a, is poetry and songs and prose and monologues and, mm. and script. And I'm just not allowed, the rule of my new projects, I'm not allowed to call it a book or a play or a TV show or a script or a poem. I'm not mm. allowed to call it... It's because it's all written from this one voice of this one character that's appeared to me in um, January when I was in Bar, uh, Thailand on holiday for January. I was walking on the beach in like, absolute paradise and this one character and her voice so strong um, and her, her character so strong. So I've just been writing things of her diary, writing poems in her voice. And, that's and really I don't, interesting. So... Uh, but the rule is, because I didn't want to go, oh, it's a book, and then... And then and then shut the door to it maybe be yeah. a show and then I want to go it's a show and then shut the door to it being a bigger meteor read so I'll have a look at what's in the pot in January but um, I, I've been performing 10 minutes of it there's a piece on the internet you'll find it's called I Know A Lot Of Dead People Now oh I know this and that's, and that's her voice that's her talking ah and is this yeah. the first time you've explicitly worked kind of on a character based yeah. series of yeah it's not works. me it's not me she's, she's bigger than me she's like she's amazing yeah, that's really interesting yeah. so she just you kind of channeled her walking down the beach and she yeah. just she just she mugged you mate yeah she, she yeah pretty much pretty <laughs> much and it's such dark work it's really but i'm really i'm finding you, it really are you compelling. finding that freeing as well yeah oh yeah because her poems okay her poems are all written in proper forms that's okay. how you can tell it's not my poetry <gasps> how interesting all, you know so you the mean proper, like proper, villanelles yeah. and sonnets exactly and exactly and haikus. haikus and all the proper strict because I don't, I don't really write like that because I hate putting maths and counting mm. into poetry. I hate count, counting lines or numbers of words and I don't like to combine them. I like the feeling, my heart on the page. But yeah. she approaches it a very different way and she's really into the rules of poetry. And Do you know so, what she looks like? Um, she changes, that? she's a changeling. It's kind of like a... Yeah. Oh, that sounds fascinating. But I'll let you know how I get on. Uh, yeah, anyway. Okay, yeah. so to wrap up the interview, it's been amazing having you here. It's lovely um, being here, thank you. To wrap it up, okay, this is probably a really hard question, but I want to know what is the very best gig, in your opinion, that you've done for whatever reason, and what's the worst, just as a kind of... Okay, so... Well, the best gig is always the one you've just done. So mm. last night I did Manchester with Holly McNish, it was amazing, and I got the entire audience doing the can-can, and that was great fun. Also, in recent times, a really favourite gig was Durham Literature Festival. I was on a songwriting retreat oh. with Catherine um, Williams and James Yorkston and Tom McRae and a whole bunch of us, and we made a music version of Shade. And that wow. was powerful. That was really that was that same thing again. It was seven of us on stage 
And they made a chorus and they're singing like shade. It was just, oh, it was oh, just wow. so beautiful. I'm getting uh, goosebumps even describing it. And um, that, again, it felt like backup. It felt like I was not alone. Yeah. It felt like a rallying cry. Yeah. It felt like, yeah. It's like a movement yeah. rather than just a simple artist. Yeah. Instead of just me on my own going, this isn't fair. Excuse me. This isn't fair. <laughs> Hello. It was like, you know, yeah. seven people behind me going, no, it's not. And we yeah. back it. And there was just people's face, people just streaming with tears. And we were all just crying at the end. And we were all hugging and crying. And it was a beautiful, beautiful moment. It's on my mixed cloud and my sound cloud if you want to hear it. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, so look that up. So looking back over the last 20 odd years then. Worst gig. Worst gig. Um, just describe, you don't need to shout out anyone just in case they're like, well, that was my favourite night. Worst gig. Worst gig. Worst gig. Oh, I remember in the, in the um, 90s, late 90s, I did a tour supporting the band Jean. Oh, yeah. I don't know if you remember Jean. And I did a gig in Leicester. And they were all booing because I was just supporting oh. Gene. And they just they, they weren't booing, but they were just not interested. It was that one where they've got their back to you and they're talking over you when you're trying to do your poem. And oh, I remember, those were the good old days. Yeah, I was, I was such a big caner in those days. And I had this big pint, a pint of vodka and orange. Oh, fuck. And I just sort of stood there and just down this pint, and really slow, just sort of drinking this pint. I go, well, you bought tickets to so watch me have a drink then. <laughs> <laughs> Like fine, I still get paid, and you get to watch me. Yeah, that, that was quite a quite a moment. So, if you're listening to this and you would like to see Selena Godden live, you can get an opportunity next week. If you live in London, she'll be performing live at um, Sabrina Mafuza's book launch at Outspoken, which is at the Forge, Delancey Street in Camden, and that's on the 26th of October. And this uh, this week on, on oh. Friday, on Friday, I'm uh, supporting Susie Quattro. What? Susie Quattro. Yeah. What? Yeah, she's got Devil Gate Drive. Yeah, yeah. You're joking me. She's got a book of poetry out, so I'm going to be doing that. And that's in Archway, part of the wow. Archway with Words Festival. Oh my God, I had such a crush on her when yeah. I was a kid, those leathers. You I know. still have. I bought a bass guitar because I know. she got one. What on earth am I going to wear? I feel like I should dress all in leather and get to write on my You should. Me. Come <laughs> on on a motorbike. Come in on a motorbike. <laughs> Can you imagine? <laughs> Thank you, Selena Godden. You're an absolute legend. Thank you so much for Thank coming. Thank you, Jared. Um, yeah, I'm looking forward to whatever you do next. Thank you.